0: Last night I did my prayer walk along the beach, and uh, I was walking on the path, and uh, and I was actually praying for you. In actual fact, I was walking along praying for you all, and I just thought again, how blessed that we are to live here? We should not take it for granted. Hey, the sun going down in Perth, how nice by the beach, but uh, and also too, we just need to be grateful for our protection with this pandemic happening. That uh, Perth has been protected, and the whole. So we just need to thank God for that day. Eh? So let's be grateful, Amen. And, uh, and realize we are blessed. But the most important thing is we're blessed to be in God's house. How people know that you're blessed to be saved and then God places you in His house? So um, today I'm going to uh, talk to you. It's Connect Sunday. We're encouraging everybody to uh, be connecting up. Uh, this year getting to one of the connects because our connect network really is our pastoral care network where we're pastoring and caring for people so I really want to encourage you to get involved our pastors will be in the foyer after the service to help you connect up where we can hello look after you where we can look after you and also uh, cheer you on in who God's called you to be and, uh, and also where you have an opportunity to serve people and serve the Lord. So, so that'll be happening after service, and we'd really love you to talk to Pastor Luke, Pastor Mari, any of our pastors who are out in the foyer, and that would be awesome. All right, um, today on Connect Sunday, as I said, I believe this is a uh, blessing prepper message. I want to blessing prep you. I want to prep you for Blessing. And uh, I can't teach you how the world works. I've been in the world. I got tired of the world, got sick of the world. Even at the end of my teen years, I was done with the world. And uh, I'm a quick calculator. I'm a logical calculator. I was in the world, and I realized these people haven't got a clue. (laughs) I wasn't a Christian, but I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm lost out here. It was like the blind leading the blind, as Jesus said. And uh, then when I came into God's house, I began to see truth, began to be healed, began to be restored, and began to get a new life. Everybody, if you're a new Christian today or new to the things of God, I can't teach you about the world. Most of you know about the world. Mainstream uh, media will teach you about the world, but I can teach you about the kingdom. So I can teach you about the kingdom. Next year, I'll be a pastor for 34 years, Been saved in February, coming up 40 years next month. So I can't teach you about the world, but I can teach you about the kingdom, and I can teach you about the house of God. And I can tell you about those things that are important in God's Word so that when you get them, you will be blessed in the way God wants to bless you. You know, the the world can bless you. It can give you a pay rise. It can do this. It can do that. But the world doesn't understand the blessing of the Lord, which the Bible says makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. And uh, I soon discovered, having one side of my family really wealthy, one side of my family really poor, that the blessing of the Lord was above anything that the rich side of my family could ever bring to us. God's blessing in your life is invaluable. Come on, God's blessing in your life is precious and it is invaluable. Can somebody say amen? Hello, can somebody say amen? Amen. So, the Bible teaches us after getting saved that we are to become a Christian, but then get into God's house. Much of the New Testament from Matthew to Revelation is actually God describing how the kingdom works. A lot of it's about character. A lot of it's about heart, absolutely. But it's also talking about the church, how the church works, leadership, how we are to be, how to respond. So it's a its a whole training package of how to do the spiritual life with Jesus well in order to receive his plan, his purpose, and all that God has for us and beyond us, onto the generations following us. So I'm going to give you some thoughts and help everybody today on how the kingdom operates so that you can understand and know this is how I'm meant to be, so you're not lost. I I think a lot of Christians are just lovely people who love God, but they genuinely don't have a clue as to how church and God and the call of God works. I don't think they do it because they're meaning to do it. I just think they don't hear it, maybe never have seen it, and so they just are doing life, I'm saved, and that's it. Well, that's, that's so important that you're saved, number one. But God saves us to fulfill a plan of purpose that He predesigned for you. You're predesigned for that plan of purpose. So Sue and I, as new Christians, broken teenagers, so much baggage, so much pain from our past, we come into God's kingdom, and the next minute, God is letting us know, you need to be in my house, because my house is my body. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, in the New King James, it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The Bible's saying we need to not forsake getting together with God's people. Jesus says where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. He's in the middle, but he's saying, the Bible's saying don't forsake being in fellowship. Don't forsake being in God's house. We actually open doors to the enemy when we forsake God, his people, and his house. And all of us who've been independent, You needn't raise your hand because I know that all of you were. And uh, what we do is we're doing our thing, and I can lean to that. And to be honest, in my daily walk with the Lord, I'm usually saying, Lord, help me to lose my independence because independence takes me into rebellion, which takes me into separation from what God has for my life. So i got to say, Lord, help me to not forsake assembling together, keep fellowshipping, keep being in God's house, and as I've done that, and as Sue's done that, we like, we're like, as young teenagers, Lord, help us to do this. Decades later, we are understanding and receiving the benefit and the blessing of all that God promised in His Word when we are in His house. So, and by the way, can I just encourage you, you need to connect with God's house. I need a wonderful, lovely prop today, and it's going to be Lisa. Lisa. <laughs> Lisa Clark's going to come up, who is our campus pastor from Zambia. Come on, Lisa. Our African campus pastor. Very loved in Zambia and in Australia. But Lisa, you're going to be here. You're going to represent the, the house of the Lord, okay? Can you just do that for a minute? And I'm asking you because the Bible says you're the bride of Christ. So did you know that God says in his word that uh, the church is the bride of Christ, so the church is his bride. He's coming back for the church. And, uh, and the Bible tells us he's coming back because he loves the church. The one thing God is doing in Matthew 16, he says, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So God is building his church, and when we come along and say, Lord, help me to build what you build, help me to love what you love, then God begins to move in our life. I discovered a long time ago, if I'll, if I'll build his house, he'll build my house. And so Lisa is beautifully representing today the bride of Christ, the house of God. Now, here's what happens. Uh, Many people become Christians, and then what happens is they just walk around the house of God. They walk around the bride of Christ, and they never really get near the bride of Christ or in connection with God's house. And, uh, And then they're frustrated, they're angry, they're not very happy, and they're confused, but they don't realize that God doesn't want you tiptoeing around His church, His house, His bride. He wants you to be connecting with the bride and the body of Christ. And literally, He wants you to become one where you now come and connect up with others in the body of Christ. So rather than being over here on the fringe, which is so many Christians, He wants everybody being in the body of Christ. So can I just encourage you this morning, if you're over here on the fringe wondering, where's God, why is God? Why is that not happening? Why is that happening? It's because you haven't moved from the fringe into the body of Christ. And, uh, and when you do, that's when things begin to change because now you're not somebody looking on at the Bride of Christ, not somebody who's all over the place, kind of doing our thing, kind of in and out of church, kind of coming up with new Christian traditions that have nothing to do with the Bible. Um, you're now actually uh, part of the Body of Christ. Thank you for being a wonderful bride, Lisa. <laughs> Thank you so much. So... You know, the Bible says in John 17, 15, in the New King James again, it says, I do not pray, Jesus said, that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus is saying to the Father, keep everybody from the evil one. He says, "Um, I don't pray that you take them out of the world. He's saying, stay in the world. Jesus is saying, be in the world, everybody, but don't be of the world. Jesus is saying to you, be in the world, but don't be of the world. Don't partake of the world and the worldly ways, worldly thinking. Jesus is saying, be here and be relatable. Don't be weird. <laughs> don't be wacky. Uh, you know, some people get a bit weird and a bit wacky as a Christian. We need to be like, hang on, I need to be relatable to people, but I just need, need not to become of the world. And in that way, you'll be attractive and draw people to the gospel. And so Jesus goes on and says, keep them from the evil one. Why is that? Because the enemy is after you. Jesus said, keep them from the evil one, because he knows that the devil is after your life. The devil is after, he wants to distract you from God's house. He wants to distract you from the kingdom of God. He wants to distract you from what you're meant to be doing. The devil loves to get us sticking with things that we don't need to be sticking with and forsaking those things we need to stick with. And here's what we need to stick with, where God placed us. Everybody who's a believer, I I think most people have never heard this scripture or don't know it, where the Bible says God actually sets the members in the body of Christ. Have you heard that scripture? Who's heard that? But a whole bunch haven't. The Bible actually says God sets us in the body of Christ. So that means you are a placement of God by the Holy Spirit. So when Sue and I got saved, I got placed into, I wanted to be in Sydney City. I was in the nightclubs and everywhere. And I thought, I'm going to go to a city church. I do not know what happened. But the next minute, I was in a church at the base of the Blue Mountains. It was like being on the Waltons with John Boy. I couldn't believe it. It It's like, this can't be God. I must be under attack. (laughs) And God was, in actual fact, it was totally God. God was trying to get the world out of me and had placed me there. Listen, when God places you somewhere, he sets you there. Set Think of concrete. He's setting us to establish us. And many Christians do not produce the fruit you're meant to produce because we are pot plants in the kingdom. (laughs) I got a pot plant right now. It needs a bit of treatment, I'm telling you. (laughs) Somebody once said pot plants attract bugs and parasites, but planted tall oak trees attract eagles. God once has established trees. Boom, I'm planted. And if the Lord needs to send me somewhere, he will do it. Sue and I uh, got sent from Sydney uh, Hills Christian Life Centre to go and plant church in London. So when we went to London, we had to shut the door to life in Sydney. I left Sydney when I was 30. And now Sue and I were establishing a church in England. And everything for me was connect with here. I've been set here. So now I was establishing myself with everything that was British because that was the calling of God. Then when we came to Perth, that door for Sue and I, London, it shut. God was now placing us here to start church in Perth. And, uh, and so he was establishing us here. So we had to shut the door to London and be where God had set us. Some of you right now, some of us right now, we are struggling because we've never had the ability to understand, close that door. God's done with it. Open this door. So God closes the doors and the only time we really, to be honest, I think the only time you're really moving somewhere is because you are understanding that God is sending me somewhere. It's amazing how people will wreck their destiny for a five grand increase. i move there. Oh, it's five grand. Must be God. Have you asked God? Did you ask God? We need to say, Lord, where are you setting me and what are you doing? And, uh, and then you're going to be fruitful and not frustrated. There's a lot of frustrated people in the kingdom of God. So many. And it's because we, many times, are not asking the question and we're not understanding. We're set. So when we were sent and we came to establish Perth, we, uh, we were like door closed. We're in Western Australia now. I have a challenge when I hear in this current generation, everybody who's in the current generation, which is all of you, but, but when you hear this term, I finally found my tribe. What the heck is that hey Christians I found my tribe yes I've finally found my tribe I found my tribe what where is that in the Bible scripture and verse $1,000 if you give it to me <laughs> it's not in the Bible all God does is says if you lose your life you'll find it if you lose your life you'll find it so soon I had to lose our friends and family to go and establish another church not find our tribe in London. We didn't have a tribe. We were going to serve people. And then when, I, when London took off, and that church now is, you know, it's a great church full of creative people. When Sue so and I came to Perth, I was so used to being surrounded by creative people in London. When I came to Perth, I did have a moment that first year, for those of you the first year, we had, I think we had a guitarist, a semi-keyboardist, and my vocal, and maybe Anna Butera, she helped out as well. But I was like, have we got any creative people here? And in those days here in the northern suburbs, that's 22 years ago. You wouldn't have called Junlup the creative center of the universe 22 years ago. So I was like, hey, is anybody creative here in Junlup? And it was like, you know, like a tumbleweed kind of blew through. <laughs> so I said to the Lord, Lord, um, are you sure calling me here that, you know, because I'm not really relating because I'm used to London with creative people. and Now I'm not really sure if this is my tribe. And I sat and said, Lord, just speak to me. You don't. If you do that and you really open your heart, God will clarify things for you. And God said to me, listen, everybody, I never asked you once when I called you to come to Perth to relate to anybody. Boom. Sat there and I thought about that for 45 minutes. And I said, well, what do I do, Lord? 45 minutes later, I asked you to serve people. <laughs> and as I began to serve you, we began to love you, and you began to become our tribe. God's tribe for your life is those people he calls you to who you begin to serve and love. Now, I didn't say people you smash over the head with the Bible, <laughs> just tell everybody, here's the Bible, here's the Bible for you, here's the Bible. For you. No, 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 it's coming serving and loving people, and then they become your tribe. Anything else where people say, I found my tribe... Can I just say? Hashtag flesh. It's got nothing to do with God. It's hashtag flesh that's just crept into the church. For everybody who's confused, get the podcast, and uh, about five years' time, the Lord will fill you in. God is always about lose your life and find it. Serve these people. Love these people. Love and give. So, um, and then later in that passage too, John 17, Jesus prays, To the Father, that we might be one. He's praying, I pray that your church, your people, might be one. And uh, 1 John 2, he says also, uh, through John in the epistle 1 John 2, it says, Do not love the world or anything in it. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes uh, not from the Father, but from the world. And listen to this, the world and its desires are passing away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Whoever does the will of God lives forever. Whoever does the will of God lives forever. Did you notice it says does something? Does something. It doesn't say anybody who goes, "Mm, I just, it says he who does the will of God lives forever. That's the question all Christians need to ask themselves is, am I right now doing the will of God, January 31st, 2021? There's our question. <laughs> Some of you go, Pastor Jared, I'm not. Oh my gosh, I'm not. I'm not. I need to make a change. At the end of the service, Pastor Luke and Murray will be there to help you get into a connect group, and you will go from there into your destiny. <laughs> Everybody, don't get caught up in the world. Matthew 16, 26, for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? And the Amplified says, wealth, fame, success. What does it profit a man or a woman if you gain all of that but forfeits his soul or her soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? It's amazing what people will give and give away their eternal life. I want that and give away their eternal life. The Bible says everything that that we might gain in the natural, it's a waste of time and effort. It's a waste of time and effort. Sue and I were laughing this week because we're just trying to finish some things at home and we've got builders next door renovating the house next door to us and they're flat out and they're noisy and it's the last thing Sue needs right now and they're bashing away. Well, if I went out in the garage and a third of our garage roof has just fallen in. Days, years ago, I would have been losing my mind. Oh my gosh, you people, our roof's gone in. That's how I would have been. Because things had me. I just went in the house and I said to Sue, third of the roof's falling in the garage. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> Do you want a cup of tea? <laughs> I couldn't care less about it. It'll get fixed. Someone said some focus on the car, focus on the house, focus on this, no, focus on eternity. Focus on eternity. And am I today for God's call? Psalm 133. This beautiful psalm that David wrote is so powerful, but it's it's often missed, eh? It's so powerful, but many of us often miss what is happening here. I want to try and bring it a bit alive to you on this uh, blessing prep Sunday, Connect Sunday. And in it, Psalm 133, it says... Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So David's going, hang on, let's just do this. Behold. (laughs) It sounds like a little thing, but he's actually going, everybody, exclamation. You need to get a hold of this. Behold how good it is. It's amazing. And And it's pleasant when we, brothers and sisters, dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. is like the Jew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. And then it finishes up saying, For there, there in that place, those people, the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. And in the Amplified Bible, it says of verse 2, which I really liked, it says, It is like the precious oil of consecration, poured on the head, coming down the beard, even the beard of Aaron, coming down upon the edge of his priestly robes, consecrating the whole body. So the Bible here, God is saying through David in Psalm 133, everybody get excited. Behold, this is amazing. How good and how pleasant is it when we, the brothers and sisters in Christ, here at Global Heart Church, who will impact other uh, people in our community and other parts in the world, as Pastor Eli flies out today to Melbourne, how good is it because when we dwell together in unity, God commands the blessing. Now, listen, you can speak a blessing. You can speak it over your own life. You can speak a blessing over your own children. But you cannot command blessing. But this is one of the times in God's Word where God is actually commanding blessing over you if you'll get into unity. Now, here's, here's the thing. Now, let me talk about us as humans. We don't like communal scriptures, We don't like scriptures that involve other people. We want to hear scriptures of, I am blessed and loved of the Lord. I alone shall be blessed and anointed and raised up in due course. He shall elevate me as I humble myself. But we don't want to hear scriptures about, oh my gosh, this blessing involves me and my connection with church. (laughs) We don't want to think about others When we as a Christian have settled into a life about me. I don't want to think about others. We say, what what have they got to do with me? Well, this blessing is connected to community. We're like, I don't want to think about other people when I've settled into a life that's about me. What the heck, God? And the Lord says, no, this promise is based on your ability to interact and love your brothers and sisters in the Lord. God says, this promise is based on your ability to love and interact with others. God is putting, what do you call it? Is it a caveat? What do we call it? A clause. Caveat. On this scripture to say to you, this blessing is not for you. If you're not in unity and you're disconnected, it's not for you. So when you get to Psalm 133, if you're not serving and helping in God's house, loving the brothers and sisters, when you get to Psalm 133... Move on. Go straight to 134. Because this scripture is not for you. Because this passage and this blessing is for those who are lovingly serving and interconnecting with others. And the challenge for us as humans is we don't like promises based on our ability to interact with other people. Yet God has them throughout his scripture. So next time you're at Psalm 133, just say to yourself, not for me. You can go straight to one, three, four and see what the Lord has for you there. Because you've got to be interconnected, connected relating, serving, loving and helping the, the brothers and sisters in unity for the commanded blessing on you. Aren't you glad you came to church today? The Bible says, this unity is costly. Unity is not holding hands and singing around a campfire kumbaya. When I got saved, we came to church, we used to, they used to make you turn in the church and look at people. Where's all my friends who have been around a long time? And you'd be standing there singing to somebody, I love you with the love of the Lord. You had to look at them. <laughs> and sing it to them. Who remembers that? Anybody? Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Who remembers that? I see that hand. Julia? You've been with me on this journey. Anybody <laughs> Now, the problem with it was, the problem with it was, they couldn't care less about that person. <laughs> couldn't have cared less. Gave them no service, no care. They were just singing a song. Unity, everybody, is costly. Commanded blessing is costly. It's like precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the bit of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. Why did God put Aaron in this passage about unity and command and blessing? Anybody else go into little Bible studies to go, what? what? Why is Aaron here? I do, just anyway. Hopefully give you a few thoughts on this today. You know, that oil and Aaron's involvement, that oil was to anoint your head. It was a greeting as you entered a home. They'd anoint your head in ancient times. In the middle east the oil actually had a beautiful smell a beautiful fragrance and aroma and it would refresh and make the whole atmosphere change with this beautiful aroma god sees unity in the kingdom and in his house as a beautiful aroma that's why he wants unity so when we walk in the door we go there's something refreshing here there's something beautiful there's an aroma of unity and and beauty in god's house And so God is talking about that oil coming down on us through this unity. But the oil also, when it connects to talking about Aaron, it it was the unity of holiness. That Aaron was a priest before God. He was in unity walking with the Lord, but he was also in unity of holiness. It was bringing about holiness. When you're in unity with God and his people, you begin to become holy sin begins to drop off you. soon as I began to love and serve God's people with God's grace and help, by the way. It was amazing what drop, began to drop off us, and we began to have the unity of holiness. Now, Aaron, when, when the oil was poured out on Aaron, and why he's in this passage, it's because of consecration, which just came out in the Amplified Bible. Consecration means set you apart. Set apart. When you have consecration, you've been set apart. So, Aaron was being set apart by God when this oil was put on him, and he was being set apart, listen, for the holiness of service. on, you need to get this again. God has placed Aaron in this passage to let you know unity comes about when you understand you've been set apart for the purpose and for the holiness of service, first to God's people, then to the community. First to God's people, then the community. Aaron was consecrated to be a priest. In fact, he became a high priest and he was set apart for that purpose and God places him right in the middle of this passage to say, you're meant to be set apart. I'm consecrating you for service and when you are serving my people and which are serving me, holiness will come and unity will come. That is real. Wow. So God is saying it's a sacred thing when you come into unity but it comes from the consecration of service. How funny is God? I'm going to tell a story. A lot of you don't know this story, but it's a little interesting one just really quickly. But when Sue and I went to plant the church in England we were sent, we didn't have a whole lot of missions money. And I just thought, I'm going to get a bit of part-time work to supplement my missions uh, efforts going to plant the church in England. Well, the Lord sees all things, right? So I go and have an interview. The next minute they ring me and they say, we would like to offer you a job to train in silver service for British film and television. Which means you'd be working in our when they're doing their events. You'd be wearing black and white. We're going to train you how to do silver service, and I was like, "Oh, sounds fun." So I went off and did a silver service course. Had to wear the black and white suit. And I worked at British Film and Television for probably six months when Sue and I first went to plant the church in London until it started to really kick off. So I was there, and uh, and now I'm learning three things that were so important. And here's God opening a door for me to work at British Film and Television because he's trying to teach me something for church. And here's the three things he was showing me. Excellence, detail, and honor. Let me say it again. This is what every Christian is meant to be developing so that you will be consecrated and you will be walking in your purpose and you will be coming into unity and God will bring his command a blessing. I was learning at British Film and Television, excellence, detail, and honor. I served dinner to Princess Anne. I served dinner for all the Brits who are a bit older, to Lulu. Not Lulu who sang this morning, by the way. <laughs> Lulu, the original British singer. I served dinner to her. Sydney Portier. who knows Sydney Portier? Amazing actor. I served dinner to Sydney Poitier. Thank you very much. And, uh, and all of it was excellence, detail and honour. Guess what God is trying to teach all of us in the kingdom? Excellence, detail, and honor. And what did I come from? Mess, chaos, crisis, dishonor, and detail. Yeah, right. We're about as detailed as I don't know what. And then God says, now you're coming in to serve me and to serve my people. The Bible says Jesus came to be served. What? Isn't that the most ridiculous concept? Like, really? Jesus came to be served. Sorry, to serve us and not be served. How ridiculous. He came to serve us. And then we struggle to serve somebody at a home group. Isn't it unbelievable? We struggle to actually say, could I help in any way in the kingdom of God? Yet the Son of God comes from heaven to serve you and then die on the cross for you. And then we're like, could you help with the kids? Oh, no, i got stuff on. Could you help with that? No, you know, busy. Social media and Netflix will keep you busy until the end of time. It's a choice to what you give your time to. Everything I do is a choice and time. So I had to say, Jesus, help me to become your servant. If you're a servant in a house, I was a servant there, and I had to do what I was asked to do at British Film and Television. If you're a servant in a house, the master of the house says, come, go, come, go. And what we do is we come and we go. Here's what God does. Could you help pour new cups of tea for new Christians? No, I don't do tea. Could you help um, help park some cars for some new people at church? No, don't do car parking. We can never enter into the blessing of Psalm 133 until we understand God is calling us to be servants. Now, for everybody who likes to talk the scripture all the time, talk about Bible things, spiritual things, I'm going to just come to you right now. I'm coming to your chair. All the people over the years, oh, the Lord, I know past trades, this scripture, that scripture, this scripture, oh, I know it, I know it. Listen, all of that is a cover. It's a cover for character issues in our life when we talk spiritually. It's a cover for stuff going on in here that is not right. And I learned long ago that most of the people who now humble themselves in service, you never hardly hear a scripture out of them because they're too busy listening to the master come go, come, go, come, go, but everybody else is like, no, no, Book of Daniel, yeah, love it, those ten toes, (laughs) Revelation, yes, if you ever need to know about that, I can tell you who the Antichrist is, (laughs) yes, I know, well, the rest of us are like, Lord, what, come, go, love, go. Stop talking, everybody, and start doing. The Bible says whoever does the will of God, it does not say whoever talks about it incessantly. Hello? And it does not say whoever talks about everybody else who does the will of God. Oh, that leader should change. Oh, that, they need to change that. They need to change that church. They need to change that home group. They need to do, listen, shut the heck up. <laughs> really, when you've carried something, talk. Until you've got some credibility, can I, how do I say it spiritually? Zip the lip. We need to zip our lip. I've got nothing to say about anybody, what they're doing in the kingdom. That's between them and the Lord. What I need to do is make an adjustment to where I say, Lord, you've called me to priestly service. Help me to do it. Listen, God's oil flows based on connectivity. The oil flowed based on connection to God's people being in unity. If we're not in connection, there's no oil flowing. That's why you hear some Christians, oh, yeah, I just feel so dry. lost God. God's not with me. God's not real. No, the oil's not flowing because there's no connection. The bride's there. And you just keep going around the bride, and now you're dry. You're dry. There's no, there's no oil because the oil is through the connection. That's why in church life, you've got to be connected. Then the oil flows. Are you getting something out of this? Some of you put it on the podcast, five years time, come back. You'll be like, oh, I'm, I'm with this now. If you break the connectivity, listen, everybody, you stop the flow. If you break the connectivity, you stop the flow. That's why when you see Christians wandering around the world, and here's what Christians are doing. Here's what they do. They wander around the world. And, and I don't know if you know this. This is the number one thing that people Google on the, on the Christian websites. What is God's will for my life? Number one. What is God's will? Number one book is Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life Outside the Bible. Now, that's a great book. I love it. But what's happening is, why are Christians, the majority, saying, what's God's will? I'll tell you why. Because they don't want to go through the veil of what I'm talking about. There's a veil here. Listen, everyone. There's a veil, and it's the veil of service and letting go. We don't want to go through that. So what we do is we Google, what's God's will for my life? Why doesn't, why don't I know? I go to Global Heart Church. Why don't I know God's will? Because you got to go through the veil of service. When you go through, it's like letting go. It's trusting God. It's becoming humble. It's starting to help others. And when you go through, God sees it. And then God goes, take another step into this. And then before you know it, as soon and I are walking through the veil as teenagers and then 20s and then suddenly people, Ephesians 4, God starts sending leaders to you saying, you're called to this. You're called to this. I had three pastors come and tell me, you're called to go to Bible college and you're called to be a pastor. I was like, what? Are you serious? I had one after another. Why, how did they know that? And how did that start to resonate with me? Because I went through the veil of following jesus letting go serving loving helping and then i was like oh wow okay this is okay this is challenging what's next then god goes here's what's next and then god added people to me for the journey i was not knowing god's will for about an hour and a half some of you now still decades in what is god's will go through the curtain Jesus never said go through religiosity. Some of us are like religious, hallelujah, religious, our church, we get family go to church. Great. But that's got nothing to do with the call of God. You've got to go through the veil of service, the veil of humility, the veil of losing your life. But if if you've never had the connection, the blessing's not there. But if you break the connection, you lose the blessing. So in one generation, Sue and I are so blessed to see our Family now, three sons now walking in their own relationship with God, their own call with God. But we had to walk through the curtain of service and love and laying down our life. Sue and I lost our lives. By that, I said, We said, Lord, we were teenagers. Lord, can you do something with us? Hope you can. <laughs> Hope this works. Hope the Bible's true. Sue and I holding hands. Okay, great. Newly married. Three decades later, one generation, God changed our whole lives, changed our family, changed our boys. One of them's on the drums, doing a good job. we in the same shirt as dad. I love that. Beautiful honor, beautiful honor. The Jew, everybody, represented that God was going to bring greenness, moisture, life to the parched wilderness of the world, to the part, we come in from the world, we're parched. Did you know that you come in and the house, the church for the first few years is a hospital. And before long it becomes a house. And God begins to refresh you. He pours the dew on you. This this dew represents, it's in the anointing, it's refreshing. It's contrasting the dryness that we left. And now God says, I'm gonna cause you to be a refreshing, fertilizing force. You're gonna impact other people as well, in Jesus' name. What's the end result of all that? Life forevermore. Life forevermore. Life forevermore. Gee, and that's, that's not just, hey, let's do a little jig like we did back in Ireland. It's eternal life forevermore that starts now. That's in your children and grandchildren. I had a little Joel in the break. Oh my gosh, I'm besotted. I can't wait for Micah, nine weeks, yes. We now do family. Sue and I didn't do family. All we did was family breakup. But now we have life forevermore. Listen, parents, quickly position yourself. Because the reason Jordan is there doing kids and youth and young adults, and Sean is in in the worship team doing what all he does, now about to go to Melbourne, and Nathan's now doing his calling and loving and walking with the Lord, is because we had to position ourselves. Otherwise, our boys will be wandering around going, what's God's will? Wonder what it is. Maybe I'll get that book. No, no, they need you in unity, in unity, in unity. And here's a big one. Oh my gosh, this is big. Take a breath in, everybody breathe in. Ask the Lord, what do I need to change? I know it's agony, right? What do I need to change? If you were asked that question of God, And you sat for an hour quietly down by the beach, said nothing, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. God would fill you in on what you needed to give Him right now so that you could move into the unity and then you could walk in the commanded blessing. You can speak a blessing. You can speak a blessing of your life. But you cannot command blessing. Only God can command blessing. And He has commanded blessing on us when we are in unity. I gotta stay connected to you so that the blessing stays on me and Sue and the boys. Everybody, this is your year, 2021. Don't spend another year. Gotta read that Rick Warren book again, you know? You gotta read that, that purpose thing. Gotta to, gotta to Google somebody on God's will. No, no. Go out, see where the pastors and say, Hey, I gotta go through the veil. Fear and selfishness actually keep me from going through. How do I get through? And as you walk through, God goes, wow, faith, faith, let me hold your hand, take you to the next step. You go, oh, this is good. Look what's happening here. Then God will add the people to your life to tell you you're on the right track. And before you know it, not only you will be walking in command of blessing and the call of God, so will your children. Can somebody say a big amen? Can somebody say a big amen? (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us online today